0: Thank you for joining me on this second episode of the Vinyl Detroit Podcast. I hope you enjoyed the first episode highlighting the Field Mice's wonderful 1991 compilation, Coastal. The positive feedback I've received on this first episode has been overwhelming. Thanks to everyone that listened, and I hope you add it to your favorites so you can be notified when new episodes are available. For those of you new to the show, welcome! What I do every episode of the Vinyl Detroit Podcast is highlight one of my favorite albums, and spend some time discussing the artist, the record, artwork, and anything else related to the release. All of this is in an effort to expose you to a record you've never heard that means so much to me and encourage you to give it a listen. I'm happy to say I've got some great albums coming up in the future, including interviews with some of the very special artists behind the records in what I call the Vinyl Detroit Podcast Interview. In celebration of their new album, their first in 24 years, we're going to take a spin on this episode of the Vinyl Detroit podcast of 1997's Wishing on Planes by Shoestrings, which was released by Le Grand Magistery. For full transparency, today's record is one that I played on and co-wrote a song or two. Today's episode is a special one for me. For those of you who've listened to episode one, I mentioned my dearest friend Mario and his influence on exposing me to much of the music I listen to today. In fact... I still hold him 100% responsible for my obsessive Sarah records collecting. His wife and creative accomplice, Rose, is also one of my closest friends and confidants. Both will be joining me today for a wonderful conversation about wishing on planes. Today's episode will inevitably go long, so I apologize in advance. COVID has made seeing Mario and Rose a real struggle over the last 19 months, which makes me that much more excited to speak with them. During the discussion... We'll take some breaks to give quick listens to some of my favorite tracks from the album. So with all that, sit back, relax, and enjoy my discussion with two of my best friends and the husband and wife duo behind shoestrings, Mario and Rose Swallow. just heard the first track from today's guests, Coffee, from 1997's Wishing on Planes by Shoestrings. On this episode, I'm happy to have Mario and Rose, the creative forces behind one of my favorite albums, 1997's Wishing on Planes on the Grand Magistery. Thanks for joining me today, guys.
1: Thanks, Bry.
0: So happy to have you guys here. here. I know it's been too long since we've seen each other, but that's what COVID does, I assume.
1: It has been way too long. (laughs) (laughs)
0: so I guess you know I I, this is obviously a tough one for me as I said in the beginning tough and easy at the same time because obviously we've known each other for so long which obviously we're going to get into but I thought I'd like to start out by talking about you guys and how you met and um, if you could kind of share your origin story on how you guys became you know friends or just tell me how it started you
2: want to take this one
1: sure (laughs) I guess so Um, well, I'm trying to think, so Mario and I, I think we met through a mutual friend in high school. So I was 16, I think, and Mario was 17 because you're a whole year older. And, um, so I was in class talking to my friend and she had mentioned something about, oh, my friend Mario, you know, blah, blah, blah. We were in... And, um, I just, I wondered if it was the same Mario that my friend liked in junior high. And, um, so I just, you know, I wrote this like note to Mario, just asking him. And I, you know, told our friend, can you, can you just ask him, just give him this note. So we actually started passing notes back and forth and it was the same Mario from junior high, um, and we actually hadn't met in person. We just kept passing notes back and forth to each other for a while. Um, and, you know, one day. I, think yeah, I, don't, on the... I don't
2: think we even knew who, what we looked like or anything. No, as far I, as I, don't, know.
1: I don't think so. Um, but I think one day when we were heading to class, we all ended up in like the same hallway. And my friend was like, oh my gosh, Rose, this is, that's Mario. And Mario, that's Rose, you know, so, you know, we finally met in person and, you know, I was kind of a dork in high school and carried way too many books. And I had this like huge binder for chemistry and I went to shake his hand. And like when I did like the binder fell (laughs) and like all these papers sprayed all over the hallway and the bell rang. And Mario was like picking up my papers with me, and so I was like completely mortified. And um, yeah, that's how we met. So uh, we were on top of that, late for class. But yeah, I, I wow. guess it was kind of memorable in a way. <laughs> I don't know what you think more. Yeah, I could say that. It
0: just makes yeah, me that... wonder. It makes me wonder if if somebody else walked by and picked up your papers. Would we be having a discussion with like Jim and Rose today? That, oh, right? You're
1: right. Or not having know. it at all. <laughs> right? Exactly. I always exactly. I always yeah. love
0: I always love people's origin stories. I love to hear how they met and you know, I, I I'm sure we've talked about it before, but I love hearing it again, to be honest. <laughs> it brings me back to high school biology or chemistry, whatever class that was. Right. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> um so you know, obviously, you know, you you guys have been have been doing music together for a long time. Um uh, you've obviously worked with others, which we're going to talk about later, more your your after shoestrings projects. But I just want to spend a minute and maybe you can talk a little bit about some of the bands and musicians you played with maybe
2: before forming shoestrings.
1: Sure. sure. Right. Mar, you, you yeah. can take this one. Um,
2: yes. Yeah. So I think as far as like working with music in general, um, probably when I was maybe 14, 15, I was recording songs by myself. Um, just with a little boom box and a Casio keyboard. And they were just, they were pretty bad at that. <laughs> Actually, they were, they were terrible. Uh, but, you know, I was trying. And um, at some point um, I met this guy, Marion, who, well, he goes by that now, back then he just went by Mario. And um, so, yeah, it was kind of weird, you know, two Marios. Cause it's, was probably the only other mario that i'd ever met up until that point in time but it was um, too
1: hard for people to pronounce marion <laughs> in suburban detroit i guess yeah. i don't know
2: yeah um but yeah we you know we met and we we were kind of in the same circle of friends like that would go to like there there was this this teen night at the shelter and like you know it was kind of like the cool place to go on weekends where you know they, you were all underage, but they'd let you into this bar. And so like, there's a group of us would just kind of go to these places and they would play like really good music um, back then. And um, so after we met, you know, we we realized we had some similar musical interests. Um, Marion was into a lot of bands like Death in June and Current 93, which I wasn't too into, but he also loved a ton of the 4AD bands. Um, and I was really into Legendary Pink Dots and a lot of the bands on Factory and 4AD. And also a lot of the shoegaze bands that were coming out at the time. And um, I think that it was so long ago, but I think the way we started was that he played a song that he had recorded with a friend of ours. And I thought it was really good. Um, it was this girl, Carrie. I don't know if you remember, but it was a song called Chasing Woodward. And it was <laughs> I still remember it to this day. It was really good. And I think that was before we started working on stuff but um he was renting a four track machine and a drum machine from like a local music store and experimenting recording um and then somehow we decided to start recording together I don't don't remember exactly how that happened but we started a band just the two of us and we were called downpour at the time (laughs) (laughs) and uh I love that. <laughs> it's so early 90s. Oh, my God, <laughs> <It is>. totally. <laughs> yeah. And, um, yeah, neither of us knew how to play. Um, uh, you know, I bought a guitar, an electric guitar, Mario bought a bass, and we would just buy, we would just, we started buying up effect pedals and reverb units and just experimenting with that four track. You know, it was like $25 a week to rent that thing or something ridiculous Yikes. like that. Yeah. Um, And yeah, we just started recording songs that we'd make up. And uh, at some point, you know, I was already friends with Rose, maybe even dating. I don't remember. Um, And I knew she played piano somewhat and could sing because she was in choir, I think, at the time. And um, so we asked her over to Mario's house one time. And um, yeah, I think she was probably in shock because we didn't even know that we had to tune our guitars or anything. You know? I mean we were like that amateur. Um yeah. did, yeah, you did you
1: did you guys actually research like how do you use the pedals or any of like you know the deck or anything like that? Or did you just like start turning knobs and like plugging things in or just-
0: um, I, I honestly don't even remember Well, there was just, no, there was no internet then. So the research would have been right. the library.
1: Right. Exactly. Right. That's what I wondered. Like, yeah, did it, it come with a manual and stuff like that? It's like, I that's th- what I wondered.
2: Yeah. I mean, I think, I think we would go to the music store and like play with different pedals and be like, oh, this one makes <laughs> some cool sounds, you know, like, you know, this chorus or this flanger or, you know, whatever. We would just play with them, not knowing at all what we were doing. And, yeah, that's yeah. pretty much how it, most of our pedals, we bought them used, so they were relatively inexpensive, so that mm-hmm. helped.
1: Um, <laughs> yeah,
0: The early but days it, are
2: always funny. <laughs>
1: it is. Yeah. yeah.
2: And then, yeah, Rose, like, what I don't know, when you joined, like, how did...
1: Well, I mean, it's, you know, I had always been in concert band, so I played flute in junior high and high school. So, I mean, I had some minimal formal training and like reading and playing my instrument playing music in general and I I did listen to like a lot of music on my own just like outside of, of band um, but I mean I, I think I pretty much taught myself how to play piano and keyboard um, but a lot of it was just intuitively coming up with like chords and melody lines and just things that sounded nice you know Mm -hmm. um but on the other hand it's like I'm a control freak about certain things so when I came to like a writing session like a rehearsal session quote-unquote with Mario and Mario it was like really weird because there was like no structure to it it was just like okay let's start playing like let's just see what we can come up with and um that and like you know it was just you know very unstructured and just kind of fly by the seat of your pants and stuff so i think like my biggest contribution is probably like tuning you know like guys uh you might want to try tuning your bass and then like you know the guitars tuned a different way from the bass and then like you know learning the notes to tune to and i myself didn't even play like bass or guitar but i just knew it didn't sound right (laughs) i guess so one
2: one note i wanted to say about that was yeah we actually had a song i I still remember the song was called slide i believe and it was like you know it was a line that mario came up and the vocals and that pretty much grounded the song and then my guitar most of it was with a slide guitar and a ton of distortion just going up and down the neck basically <laughs> and then the chorus was just you know just a bunch of noise and um and then i think when we played it one week and then we played it like the next time we met with rose we were wondering like why does it sound different? And it turned out because we had no idea of how to tune. How to tune. So that, that's like kind of where Rose changed. kind of was like, are you, are you tuned? You know?
1: <laughs> like, so, yeah. Yeah. So, I, like, I like
0: that your contribution to that point was tuning. Exactly. <laughs> right.
1: Organization and tuning, you know, You need a, a girl to do that. So. <laughs> right. But yeah. And like, you know, we had gone through like a bunch of different name changes, you know, at one point, like Mario, really liked Clear Story Window, so right. that was like the name of our band. And then
2: was that when Brian? Was that when you joined the band, Brian? Yeah,
1: Brian. I, like, yeah, I
2: think so. Yeah, okay. yeah. I, rem- okay. I remember
0: you guys pitching to me. My origin story <laughs> is probably a different perspective. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> about I how just... I bought drums from a guy who stored them in his <laughs> shed. Um, but yeah, yeah, that's uh, that was the name I remember starting with.
2: Yeah, oh and I gosh. and I think as far as I know, um, I mean. It kind of made sense for us to ask you to play drums who had no experience playing drums in the past because <laughs> we had no experience playing either and so it just it just made sense you know i know <laughs> like i
1: i want to know what you were thinking like when we're like hey brad you want to play drums
2: <laughs> i was <laughs> so excited
0: like i remember i don't remember when you asked i think it was at your parents old house but i remember like leaving and going oh my god like <laughs> i'm in a band <laughs> and i'm like but i gotta go get drums right. and learn how to play them you know i got to tune those too. And drumsticks. <laughs> yeah, exactly oh, oh those were fun times so fun yeah it was, it was so really was. fun was.
1: yeah
2: i miss it sometimes you know yeah for sure <laughs> good, good yeah then um yeah i think one thing we forgot to mention too is after, you know, we played together for a little while then we added a fifth member who was Paul Oh, yeah,
1: you brought Paul in, right? Yeah. yeah,
2: and he played violin for us and He I think was that when we changed to the hazel room. I think so. Okay. Yeah. All right. Yeah Yeah, I, yeah. I
0: had never seen a uh, a violin amp- <laughs> What was it a, a pickup before? Yeah, oh, yeah Because <laughs> he had to mm-hmm. clip it on the uh, on, I think it was like near the
2: f-hole or something like that on <laughs> his violin <laughs> And I think he was probably the only person that knew somewhat what he was doing.
1: Right. <laughs> <Even> <laughs> sometimes it didn't seem like that either.
2: Right. Oh boy. Yeah. There's Good
1: certain time. songs. Times.
0: There's certain songs where he his violin came in and it like made uh-huh. it. You know. Yeah, it
1: did. Yeah. 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 Kind of rounded crazy. out everything. So yeah. wow. and, and it was still a little shirt. weird too. You know, some weird <laughs> sounding. Really? So it really did fit our aesthetic. Then. <laughs> That's great. Yeah. Know.
0: Well, you know, obviously, there's you know, there's probably a a more to that. I'm guessing as far as the origin story, Um, but I want to know about the inspiration for when when you guys got started. Kind of what was the genesis of shoestrings out of kind of all that chaos and non-tuned instruments.
2: (laughs) Yeah, um, I guess you know, at some point, I did learn how to play at least basics of guitar. You know, like I did learn chords and. I learned how to tune and all that kind of stuff. Um, And also at some point we got sick of paying, you know, every week to rent this four track machine. So Mm -hmm. I ended up buying an eight track machine um, on credit. I was way in debt by the, by all of this stuff. So, (laughs) um, but yeah, I just had credit card bills racking up with, you know, guitars and reverb units and all this. Um, But yeah, I, I, I had a lot of the recording equipment, and originally I bought it to record the Hazel Room. And, but then there were time, you know, we would rehearse, you know, on the weekends and that's when we would record usually. Um, but I had a lot of free time during the week where I would kind of learn a little more about how to record. And, you know, I mean, like, like you mentioned before, there was no internet back then. So you kind of had to read manuals and experiment and things mm-hmm. like that. So as I was doing that, um, I would kind of start writing, you know, different songs that didn't really fit in with the hazel room and, you know, and I had some different, um, influences back then, you know, that in addition to what we were doing with the his room. And so, yeah, so I just, you know, started a couple songs and then just asked Rose to help me on a couple of them back then. And, Yeah, I think that that was pretty much it. You know, we just kind of started it as a side project, and um, it just kind of something happened with it. I guess you know, would you would you have thought that you know,
0: twenty five to thirty years later, you'd be still talking about you know, shoestrings and those early days? I mean, it's just it it's it's kind of it's kind of amazing, you know.
1: Yeah, yeah, it really is. I would have never thought that. It feels like it feels like a lifetime project, like you know, when you're in your late teens or early twenties, you don't think about like what kind of impact, you know, your creativity has on the rest of your life. But for us, it's really been a lifetime kind of thing to, to just kind of keep crafting and honing and changing and evolving with. So yeah, I think, I think that's, that's really cool. Like seeing it from like middle age, you know?
0: Oh, for sure. I mean, you think about what you were doing then and what, what got you super excited. And I mean, it just life changes. And this, and to be able to reflect on it after all these years, and we're going to talk a little about the new album later, but just to to still be doing it and doing something you love like that is, I mean, it's really a dream for a lot of people, you know?
1: (laughs) Yeah. yeah. I feel really lucky. Mm -hmm. Oh,
0: absolutely. So, you know, I, I I don't know if I've ever asked this question to you guys, um, but you know, I, 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 I want to know more about how you got connected with Sunday Records. Um, as we all know, they released your nineteen ninety four seven inch single. Some things never change. How'd you connect with Albert of Sunday, who released that record?
2: Um. Yeah. I, I can. I'll mention how that happened. Um. So I think you know, like like I was saying, you know, as a side project, you know, we're recording recorded a few of these songs and. We had five songs put together that we, s- we made an actual demo tape, um, like on cassette. <laughs> on cassette, yeah. tape. Yeah, there were. I mean, I don't think you could even make CDs at home back then. I mean, not unless. Yeah, I, I don't even know if it was possible. But yeah, made a demo tape, um, sent it out to I think about five labels. I think we sent it to Sarah, um, Satanta, Elephant Sunday, and I think Wah. Who mm-hmm. they, they released that WASI. Mm-hmm. Um, and Sunday was the first to write back within a week. I mean, I wouldn't say it was like maybe five days. And he called me also. He left a message on our answering machine. <laughs> and, which oh my was gosh, really we were cool.
1: totally dating ourselves. <laughs> Cassette tape, answering machine. Yeah.
2: See, back in the day, if there
1: <laughs>
0: these, these you kids don't know how machine. easy you have it.
2: <laughs> right? Heckin' art. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, he, he left a message on the answer machine. And, um, uh, you know, he said that he really liked it. He wanted to do a single. And so, I mean, that, that was, we were like super excited after that. Cause I was a big fan of Sunday at the time, like mm-hmm. they were releasing confetti and the fat tulips, they go boom. Um, mm-hmm. a lot of the bands that I really liked. And to me at the time, they was kind of like the American Sarah records kind of, mm-hmm. um, yeah. And so, yeah, it was a really exciting time. Um, the only, I think the other labels that wrote back, Satanta actually sent back this nice postcard that yeah. said, you know, thanks for sending you, but it's, I think it just said something like, it's really good, but it's not our style or something, I don't know, something yeah. like that. It was, it was nice, but yeah, it's you know, I, they probably thought it was terrible. <laughs> uh, but, and then uh, Elephant, I felt really bad because Elephant actually did write back, but we didn't get it until two months later, I think, because they're in Spain. And so it took a while to get to us. But yeah. by that time we already had plans with Sunday. And so nice. that kind of fell through. Um, <laughs> and Wa did write back also, which was really funny because he wrote back in Crayon, <laughs> which <laughs> is very, very why. Cause I don't know if you've read the zines or anything, but <laughs> if not, I'll have to show you one day. <laughs> yeah. That's funny. So- Good times, yeah. Mm -hmm. Yeah,
0: wow, man. I mean, think about (laughs) it. Again, we're back to no internet, no email. We're, like, writing letters, stuffing envelopes, and putting stamps on stuff, you know? (laughs) Exactly. Wow. I
1: love that, though. I love that we have those recollections, you know, like, pre-cell phone and, like, pre-internet, pre-and then, you know, the after, too, Mm -hmm. and, you know, seeing the impacts of both. And And I think we still
2: have those, like... I still have the rejection from Satanta oh, and yeah. the, the letter from Luis at Elephant, which is which is really cool to keep. You know? Yeah. So.
0: Yeah, I mean, you think about it. I mean those those physical those physical pieces. I mean, you remember those forever, but you know, you won't remember the email that somebody sent you two hours ago. Oh no. <laughs> right. yeah. Exactly. Exactly. So much more personal back then. Yeah. For yeah. sure. For sure. So yeah. we got we got to talk a little bit about obviously the the connection the start with Sunday. Uh, I like to kind of jump to the next phase as far as you know label relationship goes, and I uh, want to talk about how you met Matthew Jacobson. You know, founder of the Grand Magistery, design genius, ex Third Man Records, visual master, world renowned mentalist. I probably could have kept going forever, <laughs> but um, <laughs> want to share how you came into uh, to meet Matt?
1: Yeah, we can probably both talk about it because we've known matt for quite a long time now um but i i believe we met matt through keith darcy who um was pretty involved in like the indie scene in new york and um we had gone to like the first pop fest which was in in new york and you know
2: because rose and i um so we were both on this email list back then you know this is pre-facebook there was this thing called the indie pop list and um you know Keith Darcy was on there and he was like one of the biggest contributors to it and yeah back in I think it was like 1995 or six or something like that they had this pop fest in New York Mm -hmm. and it was kind of like a meet of everybody that could make it from this indie pop list.
1: Yeah. Mm -hmm. I think it was Magnetic Fields. I think they They headlined. headlined.
2: Um, Jim Ray's play. Yeah. Yeah.
1: So it was really cool because it was like the beginnings of like, I think the US kind of movement for indie pop. So, um, you know, we got to meet a ton of people that we had just kind of known like by name. Um, And we were hanging out with Keith and, you know, we told him we were from Michigan. And he said, Oh, you should meet my friend Matt, um, who was living in New York because I think Matt had just graduated design school. He attended Parsons and I think it was like really early in his design career. Mm-hmm. So um Keith was like, Oh, you should meet Matt, he's really cool. Um, and so
2: And he's from Michigan too, originally. Yeah. Yep. Yeah.
1: And um and Matt's parents were still living here at the time. Um, and so I think Keith somehow passed on Matt's contact information to us. And Matt got a hold of us to let us know he was coming home one weekend um to visit his parents. So, you know, like we should meet up and just kind of talk. So um we actually met up at Denny's because that's <laughs> like the thing to do. The breakfast that was slam. the thing to do <laughs> in that time. Um and, you know, we just kind of, like, got to know each other. We talked about our music um, and gave him, I think, we, did we give him the demo cassette? Or I
2: think at that point um, we were, so we had plans to release an album through Sunday Records, actually. And we were talking to him to see if he could come with, up with ideas for album artwork for that.
1: Yes, that's right.
2: And so, yeah, so we gave him a cassette of, most of the songs that we had recorded for what eventually became Wishing on Planes. Um, I think it was, I don't think we had recorded First Grade Level Affair yet because that was the last song recorded for it, but it had most of the other songs. And um, yeah, I, I think the reason we gave it to him was because he like, even to this day, I think when he's designing something like, like when he would be designing an album, he would like to listen to the music to use that as inspiration to, you know sometimes it would give him ideas or give him the feel that he wanted to go for etc
0: kind of want to switch gears a little bit if we could um kind of go back to you know mario bought the eight track and started you know kind of playing around with how to record things and maybe if we get a, just like a quick background on on the recording of wishing on planes um you know where was it recorded how was it recorded just maybe give everybody a little glimpse into you know that recording that they've listened to you know tens of hundreds of times probably but maybe give them a little bit of story on, on kind of how you did it sure
1: it's probably all you Mark, because it was your bedroom so <laughs> <laughs> go
2: <laughs> yeah it, it was a true bedroom pop studio um so it was so like i said before we were using a four track recorder um but when we started recording this i had purchased an eight track recorder so um, it was just an analog a track. It just recorded on a regular cassette. And, um, I think I had a couple reverb units and a sonic maximizer, which even to, I, I guess it just made things sound better. That, that was kind of <laughs> like the last thing that would, that everything would run through. Um, but yeah, we just record everything in my bedroom, um, including real drums as <laughs> as uh, Brian can probably mention later but uh, I have a little story about that nothing I'm too sure big do. but a little bit um and then sometimes we would even record um guitar or some or vocals even in the closet because <laughs> yes. uh,
1: next to the sweaters yeah we we didn't have
2: <laughs> you know any sort of acoustic treatment in the room or anything and so um just recording there would give us you know at least little bit of quiet um you wouldn't get any bleeding from the rest of the house Mm -hmm. and um yeah i mean we mixed there we just pretty much did the whole thing in in that bedroom um yeah you
0: know yeah you know i still i listened to the album this morning just getting ready again for for this and it's just amazing though that i mean it was done on, on bait probably one of those metal cassettes but still it was done on a cassette tape in a bedroom and i I just i still i still look for hints and i never find any hints on that record that it was done in a bedroom i it's just it was done so well i mean just you know hats off to you guys for for pulling that off
1: Um, yeah we didn't know what we were doing though (laughs) you (laughs) know and i think
0: and that's probably where the best the best uh, magic gets made i think yeah, lots of reverb helps.
1: <laughs> I <laughs> love sonic, our reverb.
0: And sonic maximization, whatever that is. Exactly. Yes. <laughs> um, yeah. You know, one thing that always stood out to me about your work was really that balance between electronics and analog instrumentation. I, just, I always love that, you know, in some songs, the electronics augment the analog, and then it's vice versa in others. There's a song that we're going to listen to next uh, that I think features, you know, some of the most wonderfully sequenced tracks partnered right up against analog bass and electric guitars Uh, let's take a listen right now to one of my favorite tracks from wishing on planes and it's called smiles and light So can you tell me a little bit about the inspiration for the title of the album, uh, as well as the artwork? You mentioned Matt had heard some of the music and, and probably drew inspiration from that. But did you have any recollection on, on kind of where that, that title and that artwork came from?
1: Well, Wishing on Planes actually comes from a line in the song Naked. Um, it's like, I have been wishing on stars. I have been wishing on planes to take me away and i think that was like a line that matt really liked and so he actually found it and just Uh kind of ran with like the aviation theme Uh (laughs) so um you know he's really like i said he's really great at brainstorming so like you know sometimes his ideas are like really far out or like they're kind of weird or quirky but a lot of times they're like so brilliant and you just kind of get on this like you know trajectory of you know brilliance it's really cool so um yeah I mean it's really important too because you want someone who can like visually represent what your sound is Mm -hmm. and I think that's like Matt's super talent you know Mm. like it's just so intuitive you know to him. Yeah,
0: you know he so. he nails it on on i mean all of his releases just nailed the aesthetic i just every time i look at an album i just had this like feeling and then you listen to it and then you look back on the cover like that was the feeling <laughs> like, mm-hmm. how do you do that i mean to us <laughs> to me who's just not that creative uh it's just it it's a, such a gift I, I don't know i wish i, I had agree.
1: it yeah, yeah. totally yeah. agree That's
0: pretty amazing S- yeah so you know, it's, it's obviously came out in 1997. You know, I've been listening to it personally forever, um, as well as I'm sure a lot of listeners today. Are, are, does it surprise you that, that people still hold that album so dear? I mean, I've just, I've been watching online with the, the announcement of the new album and, you know, people are super excited. I mean, does that surprise you? Yes.
1: Yes. <laughs> <laughs> it's like, it's like it's, I mean, it's always really surprising to hear from people not only just 25 years later, but far away, like, you know, in Indonesia or, you know, other countries. yeah. Yeah. And they just are so sweet and sincere about like how much the album means to them and how they still listen to it and it still resonates them and it's still touching. And I mean, I feel like you're doing something right. If Uh that, you know, That amount of time has passed and you're still affecting someone in some way and i i think that that part is like the most rewarding for me Mm
2: -hmm. yeah and um we've also one one thing that i find really surprising too is like we get younger people that write to us too like kids as we like to call them (laughs) everyone's a kid
1: to us (laughs) someone in
2: their like teens or 20s will write to us and that that comes as a real surprise to me too that you know someone young you know the younger generation would would listen to it like because you know when we listen to it now we hear all the flaws and we mm-hmm. hear the parts of the album yeah i can't listen that, to it yeah.
1: sometimes i just i can listen yeah, Rose to song has songs. a <laughs> lot
2: of trouble listening to it i i still like i'd say 75 percent of it that mm-hmm. i'm still proud of um, Rose is probably more in the thirty percent range or so. I'd say twenty
1: five percent. Twenty five, yeah,
2: but um, but yeah. It, so it, it's yeah. I, I, I'm really surprised when yeah, just the the younger people enjoy it. I mean, I love it, but it's 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 pretty cool. Yeah.
0: Yeah. There's no so. doubt. You know, we uh, when I, when I posted, I think I posted it on Vinyl Detroit on Instagram and. I mean, I immediately got responses. I don't know if you guys saw them, but like, this needs a vinyl release. Like, how do we make this happen? I mean, <laughs> I'm like, I'm like, this is like, you know, we we're talking about an album that's 20 at the time, probably 23 years old. And I mean, that that goes that says something, I think. I mean, it's just, it just it really means that you, you touched them in a, in a way. And it probably was at a time in their life when they needed it. And so, you know, I know for me it was it was that same way. You know, you mentioned earlier on a little bit about your influences and if we could maybe just spend a minute and maybe tell me about your musical influences, each of you, because I think that really helps to kind of set, set the stage for, for, you know, what, what people have heard.
1: Yeah, sure. I mean, I I think a lot of our influences are shared, um, Mm -hmm. so they, there's probably gonna be overlap, (laughs) I think, (laughs) in what we listen to and, you know, even just at the time like you know if mario would find something i would just parasitically like oh i (laughs) want to listen to that you know um but i don't know i think at the time if i had to pick some influences i mean definitely seen etienne um Mm -hmm. for sure i mean they i think fox base alpha came out when i was still in high school Mm. well Mm -hmm. And then, of course, Brian. I mean, you know, 4AD, everything, you know, like this mortal coil and Red House Painters and Lisa Germano. Um, Mm -hmm. I have to say, like, you know, everything but the girl, Mm -hmm. for sure. Um, Kitchens of Distinction, for sure. Mm -hmm. And think probably the beloved had a huge impact on me too really? um and you know you had mentioned like they like incorporating the that electronic sound and I think they had a really big influence on us because they had a really good balance too of mm-hmm. you know the acoustics with you know more synth based sounds mm-hmm. so mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I don't know what about you yeah. Mar?
2: Yeah, for me, for around the time of Wishing on Planes, I think um, I was obviously influenced a lot by Sarah Records, a lot of the Sarah Records bands like Blue Boy, Field Mice, etc. Mm-hmm. Um, and then also factory bands like um, The Wake, Section Twenty Five, um, even New Order. I mean, I loved everything by New Order, and they were a big influence too. Um, and then there was another band called Brian, coincidentally. Mm-hmm. <laughs> And Brian was a huge influence, um, mm-hmm. and I, th- I think, I think Brian probably gave me courage to even try to sing, um, mm. and because at the time, like, um, the, so he he had this album. I mean, in, in many ways. So Brian, the first Brian album called Understand. Um, mm-hmm. He recorded it all on an eight track, but it was, I think, it was a reel-to-reel eight track, mm-hmm. and um, it was just this guy Ken Sweeney who um, I think he's Irish and I'm actually friends with him on Facebook now, which is really <laughs> weird and stuff, you know, but it's very cool. Um, but yeah, his, his music, I think it was the way, so the, the fact that he recorded it at home, you know, on an eight track was one thing. And then the way that he sang, like, it was kind of like really breathy. And at the time when I would try to sing, it would sound terrible, but like, I don't know. I think I was just, I tried to sing sort of like that i was like you know if i tried this maybe i could kind of sound okay you know <laughs> and so i i want to say like that first sunday single you know we had a song called afterthought and i mean i'll totally admit i was ripping off brian you're know, just trying <laughs> to emulate how he sang but it was like i was still figuring out how to sing and that was just a huge influence on trying to figure out for myself how to sing um
0: so. That's really cool. I didn't. I didn't know that about him. You know, he he actually follows Vinyl Detroit on Instagram. Oh, okay, nice. <laughs> <That's so cool. laughs> yeah, mm-hmm. I think he's. I think he's. I love that album, by the way, the one that you oh, mentioned. Oh that. yeah. I mean, I just totally. it's so good. I didn't realize it was that big
2: of an influence. That's really. Oh cool. yeah. Yeah yeah, yeah, um, yeah and then. So, I mean, that, that was all for Wishing on Planes. And then now for the new stuff, you know, it's like, yeah. I think all of that still applies, like as far as those influences, but we've just added more to them. Like Right. I A think lot
1: has so, happened in yeah. 24 so, years. Uh, <laughs> so. Yeah.
2: It's kind of cool. Cause I, I think all of that stuff, all that music still really resonates with us, but, you know, throughout the years, we, have I mean, we, we obviously we're, we're more grown up now. And so a lot yeah, of the music that we like now is more, <laughs> a little more sophisticated, I guess you could say. Um, and funny. so bands like Prefab Sprout, the Blue Nile, um, and then even like a lot of the shoegaze bands that came out, like those probably mm-hmm. are added to our influences for the newer stuff.
1: For sure. Like Slow oh. Dive. Um, I think one of my biggest heroines is Dina Nordenstam. Mm. I... Just her writing is just incredible. She's just, I I mean, the lyrics are just so chilling and just so impactful. And, you know, I I think she's like a huge influence on me. But then like also there's like outside influences, like Hal Hartley was somebody who Mm -hmm. we watched, you know, like his films growing up and, um, you know, his soundtracks are pretty interesting and cool oh, yeah. and so um and he
2: did the music for a lot yeah of too, so. yeah
1: definitely and he's still doing music too <laughs> so um you know you'll see little bits of influence of hell in, in <laughs> some songs so, i love
0: that i love i love knowing those things because i think it just mm-hmm. gives a different dimension when you're listening it just gives you <laughs> things to look for you know just little road markers along the way and i don't know mm-hmm. th- i guess it's something that that i enjoy uh, I know both of you have worked with um, with others on side projects over the years. Uh, examples of this was where Mario worked with uh, Kendall Mead that, for the mascot project, uh, followed the Sound album back in two thousand. I think you you produced a track, and uh, and for you Rose, you know your collaborations on the Justin project. How have those collaborations influenced you? Is that was it different than say the prefab sprouts or the Bryan's or or
2: the Stina influences? For sure, yeah,
1: for I sure. think so
2: um yeah another another co- collaboration we had too was with jim Ruiz. um oh. i don't know if you're familiar with that one but like for their second album um sniff mm-hmm. <laughs> we did a cover of an ellen Clapp song called something uh, something strange happens cool. and um so we he came to our house and we recorded that in our bedroom <laughs> yes <laughs> and so, of course and at the time like the direction shoestring was going in that I I guess he did kind of influence our sound then mm-hmm. when we were kind of yes. transforming to like a little bit like jazz influence after Lasting Wishing on like Planes.
1: Mm-hmm.
2: Um but um as far as the Kendall collaboration, um that one, Matt set that up. You know, he he released um the album on on Le Grand Magistre, of course. And I think he might have even had the idea to record that cover. It's a Steve Tilston song. Mm-hmm and um he just kind of suggested that to Kendall that um he, j- he could just see like us recording it together like that <laughs> it would sound nice if we did it and yeah and I think it it turned out really I think it turned out really good um and I love Kendall's re- voice yeah I think your uh, voices too.
1: sound really good together too mm-hmm. they're really nice yeah, yeah it, was, it was a really it's really beautiful
2: good experience and
0: And she recorded that at your house, right? I mean, she came to like your parents' house at the time and recorded it with you.
2: (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. And actually at that point, the studio had moved to the basement. So this was after (laughs) wishing on planes and it was a basement studio. Yeah. It was a big upgrade. And, um, I want to say we only recorded maybe four songs or so once we moved it down to the basement. Mm -hmm. Um, and that was one of them. And, And, um, yeah, it was a great experience. And I just listened to it the other day. Um, But uh, yeah, as far as influencing us, since it was kind of towards the end of, you know, we we took a break on shoestrings for a while. And so I I don't know if it really influenced Mm -hmm. us, because we really didn't progress that far past that. But Sure. sure. But still, it was of
0: fun yeah you know and it probably <laughs> it probably influenced you even you know as you move forward on, on other you know one-off projects and things like that mm-hmm. that, that makes sense yeah so yeah then rose did but you... what, what about justin yeah. and... i want to ask you about that again because that that, <laughs> that 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 collaboration really intrigued me <laughs> so <laughs> i'd like to hear more about about that if you could
1: yeah um you know it, we had been in touch over the years so you know every once in a while we'd say oh we should work on a song together and you know just in passing and never really knew if anything was
2: you you and oh yes okay
1: yoan sorry yoan and i um and i you know i mean i can honestly say that yoan had like a huge impact like on our process i think um like in, in a lot of ways just like not only as a band but you know Probably as myself, like as a, a creator, you know. <laughs> um, I don't know. It's just like this really weird feeling when you're working with someone and you know like it's special. Mm-hmm. You know, it's just um someone that's like on the same like energy level as you.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: And so like I'm kind of I guess what you would call like highly sensitive and um so everything affects me like things people you know people say and things people do it's just like I absorb a lot and I Mm -hmm. just really need to learn how you know like what what resonates with me and what does not and you know what am I learning is this good or bad you know like Mm -hmm. why am I letting this person into my space you know and um so it was really interesting i think because yohan had this like really different approach to writing than mario and i like i mean i think our (laughs) writing process was not productive like at (laughs) all like i i admit that um and we just hadn't changed it in a long time too we'd like
2: and this is like our our post wishing on planes writing process because we did Try to write things, but yeah. So go yeah. ahead. Yeah,
1: <laughs> no, no, you're right. It just you know we would write like half a song. You know, like we would write a verse and a chorus, and then like stop right there, and then try to like arrange it, or just like write the rest of the music, and then go back to writing the lyrics,
2: hmm.
1: and. It just like never like so many ideas never panned out so we have like right. a ton of ideas that just kind of got shelved and never hmm. went anywhere
2: wow. and yeah, they were just like half finished songs yeah basically. and i think the other thing is we would go back to them like we'd work on the song have like half of it done take like a two-week break and then come like, back to it, about it and then yeah. you know yeah. okay where do we go from here and we just we would just be stuck yeah so. yeah man that's tough to write that way I
0: mean (laughs) (laughs) I mean I guess that's why you know follow-up albums take you know a long time yeah
1: absolutely (laughs) yeah so when we started working with Jan I mean his process was so different you know because I mean we had to adjust because first of all know yona's in stockholm and we're in detroit so we were working on like two different time zones and so you know overnight he would like send me rough ideas like of like song demos with like a vocal melody that he came up with and i mean it was really interesting his process because he would like not necessarily sing words but he would kind of sing the melody with Mm -hmm. gibberish, Mm -hmm. almost like in gibberish and you know the challenge for me was like to write lyrics that matched the number of syllables Mm. but it like also had to make sense like narratively and Mm -hmm. grammatically and I had to sing that melody that he wanted (laughs) so it was like you know it was kind of like this puzzle so i'm like piecing together all of these things and just like frantically trying to make them (laughs) fit so they sound like a song and you know so i would send these lyrics back to to yon to review and you know like yon is like bless his heart you know like swedes are like painfully honest about (laughs) everything they just like say stuff you know like really bluntly like nah, that doesn't work (laughs) you know like or you know the one that I think is really impactful the one that sticks with me is like Jay I'm sorry lovingly calling call him Jay because I mess up yawn all the time (laughs) but um Jay's like this word doesn't sound melodic to me Ouch. And so I would have to like think, what does that mean? What does what do you mean <laughs> this word doesn't sound melodic? <laughs> like it's a perfectly good English word, you know. And um, but I mean I learned really quickly not to take things personally, you know, mm-hmm. because it was best for the song. And like, you know, when he like I would think about it and like just you know, he was right. <laughs> mm-hmm. He was right. Mm-hmm. It was right. I mean, it was very humbling. You know, um, yeah,
0: you know, it's interesting because I mean, maybe, mm -hmm. you know, obviously you took influences from, from him and and that, but, but I think the bigger thing is maybe you, you know, you took something from the process, you know, that, you know, I can't take things so personally and maybe some of my ideas aren't the best. And you know, that kind of, that kind of way of thinking.
1: Oh, absolutely. And I mean, in many ways, like I always call him the catalyst (laughs)
2: for
1: us because, um, you know i learned so i mean mario and i both learned so much from that process mm-hmm. you know like i you know learned how to stand up for what i believe in mm-hmm. and um you know that i could meet the challenge and you know i could do things in such a restricted way but in like also the opposite way it was like really freeing because i'm mm-hmm. like oh my gosh i can do this you know like so I'm, like, really grateful for that. But, I mean, it definitely changed, like, how to record vocals. Right, Mar? I mean.
2: Yeah, for sure. Um, yeah, because when, you know, I was recording the vocals for Rose, for Justin, and I was sort of, like, her vocal producer at the mm-hmm. time, you know, because mm-hmm. it was, like, there are certain things that while you're recording the vocals that you can't hear. And, mm-hmm. like, I would hear them, and I would tell her, you know, like, maybe she'd be lagging behind the beat or
1: I'm really bad at timing. <laughs> <laughs> I admit it
2: yeah, just things like that or like maybe she would sound like low energy or, you know or something <laughs> mm-hmm. things like that or sure. you know maybe um, we would have to a lot of times figure out what key would work best with Rose's vocal. Mm. and so we would try the song in different keys and so things like that and and then you know that translated for the, our new stuff, because when I would record vocals, Rose would be my producer then, and she would do the same thing for me. Um, so yeah, I I mean, that was a huge change in how we were doing stuff too.
1: Yeah. It was just like this flip of a perspective, you know, and Mm -hmm. we needed that. I think Mm -hmm. we just, it was not working what we were doing. And so, um, you know, I give Yon 100 percent credit for that, which he'll probably admit that it was his, <laughs> it was his plan all along. But, but yeah, so that was really good. No, I mm-hmm.
0: think I mean, it sounds to me like you, you, you know, you both came away from you, you know your collaborations with different things, but you know, hopefully, you brought them together and and were able to use them on on the future tracks you worked on. At least I, that's what it sounds like to me. Yeah,
2: absolutely. for sure.
0: Yeah, so I guess, um, you know, we're going to take a listen to another track now from Wishing on Plains. Uh, this is called Timeline, and I, I've always felt that it showcased Mario and Rose's intertwining vocals over a really, really solid beat, uh, you know, accentuated by wonderfully atmospheric synths. I'd like to give uh, Timeline a, a spin. Some
2: days are like postcards.
1: My heart. In the of my library, Drift.
0: away. Although I've known you guys really since the early 90s, you know, I've never really had the chance to ask you about your creative process, and it's really like a two-part question. Uh, you know, what was the creative process around the songs on Wishing on Planes, and then second is how has it evolved over the years? You know, and I guess when I'm at, because we've talked a little bit about some of those things, but you know, I guess when, when when you guys got together to to write songs for Wishing on Planes, just you know, take me through. I mean, was it done acoustically first, or or, or was it done on the piano or or some other instrument? I mean, kind of how did that work? And then fast forward to the new the new album, and and
2: how does it differ? Okay. Yeah. Um, yeah, it's weird because I'd say the process from wishing on planes to the new album expectations is it's like a complete 180 from each other. So mm-hmm. I what agree. I mean, um, so I, I guess for, for wishing on planes, most probably 90% of the songs would start with me coming up with the basics of the song on guitar. Um, half the time I would write the lyrics to uh, basically the songs that I would sing. Mm-hmm. And then, um, and then we flesh it out from there. Uh, The songs that Rose would sing, you know, she'd usually write the lyrics for. And, um, and that's pretty much what it was. It was just, you know, Mm -hmm. I had, yeah, I would just come up with the basics for it. And then they would just get built based on that Mm -hmm. Um, for expectations. It's like I mentioned before, it's, it's the complete opposite. It's reversed. Um, Rose usually comes up with, the basics of the songs and the lyrics, and then we finish writing them together and producing it together. Yeah. So yeah, it's mm-hmm. really interesting that we've changed our yeah. rules
1: like that. Again, I think our process is different in that we try to write the entire song, like or the <laughs> act- actually the entire idea for the song all the way through. And then go back and and write lyrics. Um but a lot of times they're, they happen simultaneously too. If it's, it's, it's just a weird thing that happens when you're in your flow, quote unquote, Mm -hmm. because they just kind of organically like the songs kind of write themselves. It's Mm -hmm. very strange. Like when that happens, but it's so cool Mm -hmm. too. It's like the neatest feeling. Mm -hmm.
2: And I think, um, for a lot of the songs on expectations, our new album, um, it's, I mean, some of them were like Rose would just come up with a melody for a vocal, not even a full song. And, and then we would do the music together too. Like, it's not exactly the same for every song. Like we had a couple different approaches, um, but yeah, it's, it probably is 90% Rose starting out now versus 90% me starting out in Wishing Up So, just, mm-hmm. so
0: Yeah. Amazing. That makes me, that makes me excited to hear the new album too. I mean, I've only heard the, the three tracks that have been released, but I wonder if it's just I want and I'm obviously you guys know but but the rest of us don't but you know if we were to put them side by side I wonder if we'll we'll feel that difference you know that's that's interesting
2: yeah
1: yeah I don't know I think the songs still feel to me like quintessentially shoestrings because like some of the rhythms are still there and the sentiment I think is Mm -hmm. still some I mean we are who we are and Mm -hmm. like I feel like our personality and our quirks and characteristics still you can still see them in both albums and i think that's one thing i'm proud of too is that we still kind of keep the spirit <laughs> because mm-hmm. our spirit in in the albums yeah mm-hmm.
2: i mean i think from my perspective what's happened now is that we've realized where our strengths are mm-hmm. and we play to those strengths so what i mean by that is that I've known all, I mean, Rose is a much better lyricist than I am, like, like a hundred times, but like a thousand times better. And so it totally makes sense that she would be writing the lyrics now rather than me trying to stumble through them. And uh, oh, thank you. <laughs> and then on the reverse, you know, I'm, yeah, I'm horrible I'm more at timing. Technical. Again. <laughs> <laughs> and so I think like, yeah. you know, I do more of like the engineering and mixing. And yeah, so I For think sure. it's kind of like, just kind of play to our strengths now yeah Mm -hmm. and that's good
1: I think we know when to kind of bend to whereas when we're younger it's like you're very stubborn and you just know what you want and Mm -hmm. you won't you know kind of play nice with that other person and I mean having known each other for so long and like learned a lot of things together, learned what works, learned what doesn't. Like that is something that you don't have when you're young. You mm-hmm. need to process that as like an adult to to really appreciate it. And so I think we're at a good place.
0: Mm-hmm. yeah yeah you know it's interesting you know when you are when you are younger you know you don't have the benefit of wisdom you don't you don't have the ability to empathize as much as you do later on where you can see someone else's perspective and you know it sounds like it's really helped you guys and in, in working on on you know future works and that's good it's probably good for the relationship too <laughs>
1: yeah, yeah. <laughs> absolutely
0: um so you know we're gonna we're gonna kind of switch gears this next track we're gonna listen to you know it, it's Boy, I love it because, you know, it's funny because it doesn't have anything to do with Brian Wilson at all, but I feel like you were channeling pet sounds, you know, in terms of the instrumentation and and the unexpected items and that. Uh, The next track that we're going to hear is Nothing to Hide, And, and I know that there's some unique instrumentation on Nothing to Hide, which, you know, is a theme on a few of the tracks on Wishing on Planes. Could you share just for the listeners maybe a, a, just a little snippet of some of the unique items that you used on that album to to create some of the sounds? <laughs>
1: yeah. Wait, Brian, were you there when you were there when you used some of uh, those interesting? Things maybe right? maybe. <laughs>
2: <laughs> I think what you're referring to on this song um so for for the percussion of this song we didn't use a drum machine at all. Um instead I just tapped on, um, the cabinet of a speaker, um, kind of like bongos in a way, but that's, that's like the main percussion that drives the song. (laughs) And then, um, and then at the end, it kind of gets a lot louder and we needed like a snare drum type sound, but I didn't have a snare drum and I didn't want to use a drum machine snare drum. And so we had this big, um, metal tin that had popcorn (laughs) in it and uh, i think we got it for christmas from somebody or something like that i don't know but it was just a big tin and it sounded it had this really loud metallic sound when you smash on it with a with you know uh, a drumstick and um so yeah that that became the snare sound for that song and uh yeah you know (laughs) i think those are probably yeah, and and I I think
0: I was there for one of them. I'm not sure mm-hmm. if it was the speaker cabinet or the tin can. I, I think, think it was I think it was the speaker cabinet. But when I heard uh. about the tin can, I was like, "Whoa!" You know what? Now I hear it. <laughs> and so now I'm sitting here thinking, as you're talking, you know, you're gonna have a whole new generation of young people going. I knew that that was a popcorn tin <laughs> <all Right>. along <laughs> with a ton of Reaver, By the way, oh yeah, yeah, you gotta <laughs> the <have a> reverb. <laughs> but I mean that's you know I'm, I'm sure I know you guys are fans of pet sounds and you know he was really the yeah. first to, to pioneer that that approach and and I always I always thought it was really cool that it had a it had an element on this album so I, <laughs> I you know I was appreciated I wanted to kind of ask you guys about it so you know with that I'd like to take you know a second and we're going to listen to nothing to hide right now from 1997's wishing on planes and this is again called
2: nothing to hide See hair, bad breath, pajamas
1: Pray that I
2: wake up right beside you
0: So as we get near the end of the discussion, I'd like to take a second and talk about the track Naked. You know, of course, it has a soft spot for me, um, not just because of my killer drumming, but because I know the origins of the song. Uh, You know, could you share kind of how this track was conceived and and really how it was expanded for Wishing on Planes?
1: Yeah, that was for The Hazel Room, I think, originally, right, Mar?
2: Yeah. Yeah, I think we we originally recorded it as a song for The Hazel Room. And I think we actually, yeah, it was, it was pretty much an outlier as a Hazel Room song because. Mm-hmm. um
1: I don't even think it was a full song. <laughs> right. It right? was only yeah. a minute and a half long. <laughs> and
2: it was one of the few songs where Rose sang lead on it. And it also was probably the only song that was not written by Mario. You know, right. The um and so, I mean, we played it as Hazel Room and, mm-hmm. you know, we, but it, I don't know. Toss it. Didn't it did never fit in. I guess. I mean, yeah. But we I were, think we were it, kind of quirky anyway. So. It was. <laughs> I
1: mean, I think it's sound. It just the sound of it wasn't as dark, yeah. you know, like or experimental as what we were doing um, for the Hazel Room. So um, you know, it just. I think it felt more. I don't know. More twee at the time. Right. But, <laughs> I guess. To. Uh, yeah, yeah and,
2: and we and we actually did record it, like I said, in a in an, in a real studio with the Hazel Room, that's right, Brian. Um, which had studios. Uh-huh. <laughs> and um, but that version, like we said, was only about a minute and a half long. Um, so re- really, like on the Wishing on Planes version, when the drums kick in about halfway through and the music picks up, and there's you know all the strings and mm. like that's where Rose sings that line that is gave Wishing on Planes the name like none of that was there and so we added all that um Mm -hmm. for this version um so i i mean if we hadn't done that like the album probably would never be (laughs) called it's it's pretty crazy
0: Um, yeah yeah you know i i remember when you asked me to record it for the album and and you know i my i guess my perspective of course is always unique from from you guys but I remember you were like, hey, you know, we're going to record, you know, the, the drums for Nate or for naked. Why don't you come over to my house and we'll do it. And I think we hung out earlier that day or something. But I went over to your house and I remember we set up in the bedroom, of course. And I remember you kind of we obviously I knew the beginning because I had played it like uh, all hundred times mm-hmm. or so up yeah, to that right. point. But then you're like, OK, we're going to expand it. We're going to make it longer. And I was like, well, what are you kind of looking for? And I remember you saying something like. Well, you know, like kind of like Northern Picture Library, you know, kind of like like Paris, you know, that that kind of beat. And I've shared that with people and they're like, oh, my God, like that sounds exactly the same. (laughs) And I'm like, well, because it is. (laughs) And uh, so, yeah, I mean, I guess that's I guess that's that's my side of the story. And, you know, one thing that always bothers me is I must have set my sticks down too quick because there's a little little click at the end where they hit the snare. But,
1: you know, I
0: guess that gives it that character that really those those were real drums at that point, you know. Exactly.
1: That's one of those quirks I was talking about, which, you know. It's like a little Easter egg. Yeah, yeah like you couldn't <laughs> plan it. That. You know, you could never right. plan that.
2: <laughs> yeah. I just, yeah, yeah. It, Go ahead, Mara. oh I was just gonna and I was—I will say that for Wish on Planes," we were not—we we were very obvious about our influences. I was just leave it at that. <laughs> so
0: yeah, yeah. I remember that because I I loved that track at the time. So when when you when you said it, I was like, oh, I, I got this. I mean, I, I drummed this in my <laughs> head like over and over again. And and, and you know what the funny thing is, is that, you know, obviously the the song changes dramatically at that point, but I think Mm -hmm. it, it totally makes sense. Like it it just, it fits so well that, you know, when people hear it, they're probably like, well, that's a song. But when Mm. I hear it, I hear like, kind of like say part two of the song, you know, Mm -hmm. and and it just, it just works. It works so well. And it's something I know I'm proud of. And I was proud to be a part of it. There's just no doubt.
1: Mm, um, we love our bridges. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> yeah.
0: The bridge, bridge. <laughs>
1: yeah,
0: and I,
2: I remember that song had really in that part in particular, there's like really strange chords that they're probably not even real chords. They're just, <laughs> I don't even, I don't even know if I could play it right now to be honest. wow. <laughs> like, yeah. They were, they were not traditional chords at all. So. It works. I mean, it, works, it, yeah. it still, it still resonates
0: with me and, you know I played it for people over the years I mean even like my kids and you know as much as they well one of them doesn't really understand anything I'm talking about the other one you know when she hears it she she really is like oh my god that's my dad you know and I think that, that's pretty cool I love so that. yeah, yeah. yeah that's so great. you know obviously we took that little walk down memory lane which was great and I appreciate you guys you know kind of sharing all those great tidbits on the album and the influences and everything but kind of want to shift gears to the new album, spend a few minutes talking about that, give you guys a chance to, to kind of share some some pieces about it. But, um, you know, by the time people hear this, uh, most likely either that album will be out or will be out, you know, within days. Uh, would you mind sharing maybe your inspiration for the new album, Expectations, and, and kind of like how that inspiration maybe changed versus, you know, 23 or 24 years ago when you were making Wishing on Planes?
1: I mean, I don't know if we had like a specific central like inspiration for the album because we were just kind of in this zone so we were just kind of writing and wanting to stay in that flow and just they just i think organically sounded consistent which is Mm -hmm. kind of strange for us (laughs) for that to happen they just kind of all came together um and had the same kind of characteristics um we were talking about but i don't know i mean i think maybe the common thread narratively about all the songs are there a lot of songs that are about people looking back at things like Mm -hmm. looking at things in the past that have already happened and just seeing things with like clear perspective, you know, I don't know, maybe just like a sense of relief (laughs) Mm -hmm. or just having gone through whatever heartache or awful thing happened and just having that perspective, you know, Mm -hmm. like it's different. And like you were saying, like wisdom, like you just know more and you're just not going to go down that path again. So I mean, I think that's lyrically what the common thread would be.
2: And I think also um, we realize while writing these songs that historically, like when we listen to other people's music, um, the songs that both of us connect to the most are the songs that bring out emotion in us and are Mm -hmm. like touching in some way. Um, And so what that usually translates to is songs that kind of have a little bit of sadness to them. Um, or a little bit of darkness, like that's, those are the songs that to us, like they, they last the longest versus just some happy pop song that, you know, you might like, and, you know, you might sing in your head a couple of times, but then it's not like, it doesn't stay with you for years and years, I guess.
1: Yeah. I think again, going back to like being an adult, it's like you... You almost learn to appreciate that uncomfortableness. <laughs> you know, there's like comfort in like being able to fully like appreciate and experience however you're feeling and mm-hmm. just like being okay with it. Um, even if it's awful and you just like don't know how you're gonna get through the night, you know, kind <laughs> of thing. And I think for us, it's like we knew if a song was like working, if we had trouble, it sounds ridiculous, but if we had trouble recording the vocal, because like we would start to cry. (laughs) Like, I mean, I cry a lot in general, but, um, you know, I think if a lyric and the music work so well together in the story, Together, it just you can't help but be moved, you know. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. So
0: yeah, I you know I I didn't really think of it that way, but you know as we were talking and you were talking about kind of how the previous work was you know kind of like looking back and longing and how you know the new album expectations just the name makes you think about you know looking forward and you know having expectations and looking forward to things and. i'm glad i'm glad i heard that i I really i think it's going to frame that album up differently when i finally get it
1: (laughs) i think i think also like expectations just in general is you know i i mean it it's it's really meaningful to us because i think we we felt a lot of pressure um after wishing on planes Mm -hmm. you know like People were always like writing us and asking, like, "Okay, when is the next album coming out? Like, when <laughs> are you guys gonna, you know, what are you doing next?" And uh, you know, again,
2: they they, they weren't saying like <laughs> that was <laughs> our inter- I'm sure <laughs> they were excited <laughs> yeah. and we were like, "Oh, when's the next album coming?"
1: <laughs> I'm sorry, it's, it's all interpretation. Oh well, yeah, that's what I felt like sometimes, you know. And I mean, we were just like afraid of disappointing people, you know. And again, it's like that fear when you're younger, like, "Oh my gosh, I really." need to do this you know like right and i need you know it has to mean something and like i don't want to i don't want you to be disappointed in me Mm -hmm. but um that's interesting yeah but it changes like when you're older you just you just don't give a crap (laughs) you know (laughs) like you're just like i'm just i'm gonna do what i want to do you know you know
0: because of that too i bet you know i bet it's going to get really well accepted because it's really going to be who you are you know what i mean it's it's not like you're trying to like you know pander to some group or or fit into some sound i mean you've had quite a bit of time to to kind of figure out you know how this is going to sound and it really is you guys you know that's what that's what i think is exciting about it
2: Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. at least from the way i look at it yeah i Um, think that that pretty much nails it right there i mean that (laughs) because eventually you know we got to the point where you know we're we're making an album that we care about and we didn't really think about what other people's expectations were mm-hmm. and mm-hmm. um you know cuz yeah I, I don't know yes. no, yeah. i think it's well said i mean yeah.
0: it's I, I and from what i've heard and i know i've i've shared this with you guys but i mean i am like so excited for this thing to come out i can't Aww, tell you thanks. Um, you know, I was even looking on Bandcamp. I'm like, oh, so is it shipping on the 5th? Or is it, <laughs> can I expect it on the 5th? So I'll be I'll be uh, streaming it first until the physical media shows up. Uh, That's uh, but, so you nice know, things. I guess, you know, I'm going to kind of close it out here today. Uh, you know, I wanted to obviously thank you guys so much for spending the time. Uh, I know you guys are busy and, and, you know, you didn't have to do this, but I really appreciate it. I appreciate you sharing your story. I think, you know, those that, that take the time to listen to this, I really going to get a totally different perspective on you guys, and and definitely appreciate what you've done so far. And you know, I I, I I've known you guys forever, probably since high school. Um, mm-hmm. But there's things I learned today, and and I'm and I'm sure that those that you know, maybe aren't as close to you, they're going to hear this. They're going to go, wow, I had no idea about that. And or or it's gonna be like oh yeah I knew that all along so <laughs> I think Aww. that that's pretty cool so you know I thank you guys for taking the time and and I guess I kind of wanted to just share with with those that listen you know a little bit about expectations obviously it's coming out November fifth uh, it's coming out on Shelf Life which is very very cool uh, I'm not sure I can pronounce your European label uh, Discos de Curlian uh, plus I like the truth. Yeah. Is that like a East true American? The there we go. <laughs> that's yeah. close, Brian. Yeah. And then uh, I've been stressed out about that all day. And then, um, you know, fast, cost, fast Cut Records in Japan. Uh, it, it's actually available right now to order on CD. You can also order, there's two different vinyl variants. I think those are coming out next year um, due to pressing plant demand. Uh, I've heard that's terrible. But you can get all the physical media over at shoestringsofficial.bandcap.com. Uh, I would suggest everybody who listens buy at least one copy. Uh, I know I shared with you guys that I bought one of everything. In fact, I might have bought two of a couple of things. <laughs> um, but that's thank okay. You. Maybe maybe we'll do a giveaway one day. Who knows? Um, but it's also going to be available, as far as I understand, on you know kind of all the common streaming platforms as well. So, again, thank you guys for joining me. Thank you for spending your time and telling me the story. And I will talk to you guys soon. Uh, thank, thank you, you, so you much, for having Brian. us, Brian. Absolutely. So, you know, as we as we close it out, um, I do wanted to share, uh, you know, one track that we did talk about a little bit ago. We talked a lot about it, but I haven't really played it yet. Uh, this is the track that is again one of my favorites. Again, not because of the killer drumming on it or anything, but it's really the second from last track on "Wishing on Planes," and it's of course one of my favorites. And this is "Naked." What a wonderful interview we had. I really enjoyed that talk with Mario and Rose. And yes, I was right. I knew this episode would go a lot longer than I thought. But very little editing took place to put this podcast together. I didn't want to change it too much because I thought a lot of the conversation was really, really good and genuine. So, as I close this second show, I'm happy to share that this and all the other episodes of the Vile Detroit podcast can now be heard on your favorite podcast platforms. These include Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Stitcher, Google Podcasts, and others. I'd welcome any comments at vinyldetroit.podcast at gmail.com as well. Also, if you have liked what you've heard, please leave a comment. Thanks for listening, and let's give one last bonus listen to one of my favorite tracks from the Shoestrings 1997 release, Wishing on Planes, and this is Naked.